Uh, hello, and welcome to a an unconventional episode of the Gilded Dice podcast, uh, where a few of us were re-listening to some of the episodes, and we noticed that a lot of the big story moments happened not during the podcast. Uh, Petricor has been running, it's, it's about to turn three years old in February of 2023, uh, and... A lot of stuff has happened in that time, and the podcast only started October of 2022, so we're going to kind of wrap up some of the stuff that's happened before then, as well as some just general information that you may not know about the world of Petricor. So, uh, yeah. Uh, First off, we have the planet itself... Uh, it is named Thea after the planet that hit Earth and formed the moon. So that's pretty cool, I think. Uh, yeah. And on on this planet, there are many different like countries, islands, whatever you want to call them. Continents, that's the word. Uh, and the, the big one, the main one, is called Petricor as is the name of the podcast. Um, Yeah, Eric, you want to help me out here? Yes, I'm here as well. Uh, Petricor is the continent that the gameplay mainly resides on. There are also a a couple other continents, but we can talk about that in a bit. So... On Petricor, there are five main countries. Uh, there is Morbs, Streely, Score, Candela, and Grand Union. Uh, it is... They're in... They're, they're split like a checkerboard. They're, there's like four quadrants, uh, each one being one of those countries. And at the center of those four, there is Grand Union, and it is... Like our New York, basically. It's it's a melting pot of all the other countries. Uh, each one of the countries has a dominant race that, that mainly presides there. Morbs being humans, Streely being elves, uh, Score being uh, dwarves, uh, but we'll get to that later, and Candela being Warforged. Uh, yeah. They're... There's other planes in in the world. Uh, the one most frequently visited, I would say, is the Feywild, uh, which is home to Eden. It is, Eden is a city around a giant hollowed-out tree where many different forest creatures live, and it's basically a utopia. Uh, we can divulge more into that, but for now it's just kind of a general rundown of the different places um, next up is the Underplane. It is our, our fantasy hell, basically. Uh, it is ruled by uh, two queens named uh, Tandy and Cherry. Uh, they are both of the mothers of Rovan Praetor, who is one of our player characters that we'll get to in a bit. And, yeah. Uh, that is... 
mostly it for the locations. There are some other con or yeah, other islands on uh, Thea. One of the larger ones being Bombados, which is uh, lived in mostly by goblins, and also where the headquarters of the terrorist goblins live. Uh, more on that later. Again, um, there's some other like smaller islands. Uh, another one being Tahanga, which is the headquarters of the Third Eye Guild, which is a guild that worships uh, the Illusion Pillar. Uh, and now we can talk about pillars. So in D and D Fifth Edition. There are eight schools of magic. Uh, I can't name them all off the top of my head. I can name a couple of them. I can, we can name a couple, like transmutation, abjuration, evocation, stuff like that. Um, Illusion. I said that. Conjuration. You said abjuration. Same thing. Uh, with each of these eight schools of magic comes a powerful artifact that is like the centerpiece of that school of magic. So uh, in story so far, for example, there is the, the, uh, the wither blade. That is the pillar of abjuration, which is like the antithesis to magic. It like cancels out all other magics. Uh, there is the skull of Ariel. That is the pillar of illusion. Uh, and it is the most powerful illusion magic artifact. And each of these pillars has a guild that protects it. So far in the story, uh, you have only encountered the third eye guild, who were kind of the big bad of the podcast so far. Um, but we'll we'll get more into them as this season goes on. Um, yeah. Uh, after that, uh, we're going to go over some of the NPCs. So, first off, we have, I think, the first ever NPC that we put into the show. Or not the show, but the, the campaign in general. Uh, his name is Carrie Patel. He is the bartender of the Clumsy Fearbulg, which is a bar in Amberster, which is one of the cities in Morbs. Um, the Clumsy Fearbulg is... Uh, a meeting place for the party a lot of the time, as well as a huge centerpiece of Amberster. Um, it did get burned down and broken into like twice, so that wasn't fun. But it is it is since rebuilt and better, running better than ever. Um, Carrie has a daughter named Kennedy, and Kennedy is living at the the mines of score after it has been like blown up and evacuated for several years now but kennedy lives there and she's got her own little home in the mine that she has since reclaimed uh there are other residents of the mine namely the the duergar uh which are dark dwarves i believe yeah, Durgar, uh, they are basically just dwarves that never see the light of day, so their skin has just become a gray-black color. And 
uh, something that we have homebrewed that is not canonical to regular Duergar. Uh, ours, uh, turning into a Duergar is a disease that they get from none, no sunlight that only affects dwarves. And because of this, they are stuck there. And if they were to leave, um, they've been previously stuck there, but now they have access to the surface, but they simply cannot leave as they would die. So kind of sad, but such is the life of a doer car. They like um, it down there. They like it down there. They've built their own little, little cozy village, but also an effect of turning into a Duergar is insanity. You usually turn insane, which has led to a large portion of their village uh, being used to lock up feral Duergar, which kind of not fun, but it is Very what sad. it is. Uh, and there's some other, other NPCs. Uh, there's Spencer, who is the badger that belongs to Salazar. There's Dagger, who is the queen of the fairies in the Feywild. Uh, she is she serves as Eleron's familiar. And yeah, so to the first of the player characters, we have Rovan Praetor, who is played by Dino. Um, Rovan is oh, the Rovan's son. Parents too. Guess you yeah. can do that. <laughs> yeah. Rovan, Rovan is the son of Tandy and Cherry, meaning that he is the Prince of Hell, and if Tandy were to cease existing, uh, Rovan would take over as the ruler of the Underplane. Uh, Cherry is the last of the Changelings, and there's not much more to it than that. She, her lore isn't as developed yet. Uh, we will hopefully get into that in Season 2. Um, but Tandy is, who is known as the Black Flame, who is worshipped on the surface world as a deity. And by extension, Rovan is the son of the Black Flame, and he is also worshipped as a deity, but not as widely, I would say. Um, next up on the list is Eleron Tara. Uh, Eleron is a rogue high elf, and... He is currently a demigod as he is fused with the Wither Blade, uh, and there is now a portal to the Wither Plane, which we can get into in a second. Uh, but basically, there is a portal in his chest that he uses as a bag of holding of sorts. Uh, within, within the Wither Plane, there lives a dolphin? For some reason, it's not really explained which is kind of my fault as i'm the dungeon master but i kind of like it that there's just a mysterious dolphin in there kind of the avatar of the wither it's yeah it's it's the wither personified into a creature and dolphins are elegant so that's the form it shows the withers also consists of like an ocean of black goop so yeah the it's not really black goop uh we We've described it as an infinite expanse of, like, liquid mercury uh, with a pitch-black sky. And also in the Wither Plane, there is a book that the party stole from the Lich's 
castle mansion castle fits better dungeon? I would say. <clears throat> dungeon um the book of tarasks is a book that when opened produces invisible tarasks uh and it is horrifying they have it's terrifying they have uh had a covert ops mission to go into the to the plane and close the book because they did get loose one time it was horrifying uh anyway on to makani um makani awakai i i don't think i pronounced that right duke forgive me um makani is (laughs) makani is an air genasi samurai uh samurai mechanically only she's not that's that's not like part of her character she is a fierce pirate lord who uh is a former slave to the goblin terrorists uh their organization doesn't really have a name we should probably work on that but anyway uh she escaped the goblins and stole one of their slave ships and has since used it as a pirate ship and has become a pirate lord in in the area of Petricor. Uh, she's made quite the name for herself and she has a loving, very large wife named Mono. Mono is a deaf mute. Uh, she's just a giant Goliath barbarian and that's kind of her whole character. Um, okay, Salazar Salazar is the next. Salazar is a nine-foot-tall snake folk, I believe. Snake folk is serpent folk. That's it. Uh, Slithery little guy. He's a slithery little guy. Uh, Commonly known as Slazzy uh, by the party. Salazar is... Salazar is a mystery. Uh, he is a druid snake. Uh, he lived like a good forty years inside of a whale, like, like Pinocchio. Like Pinocchio. Uh, inside the Feywild, because of course it was the Feywild. Um, but anyway, after he got out of the whale, he found a wife. Uh, they lived together peacefully in a treehouse in the Feywild for a while. Until uh, he was suspected of having knowledge of the Skull of Ariel, and the Third Eye Guild stormed his house, killed his wife, took him in as a prisoner, and there he stayed locked up in their headquarters uh, until he was freed by the party. Uh, That all happened before the podcast, which I'm quite sad about, but here we are. It was such a great session as well. It was such a such a fun session. Um, that session also is when they met Doey. No. Um, Doey is a blue beholder uh, who was lobotomized by Eleron on accident, <laughs> and now he works at Fantasy CVS as kind of like a delivery drone um yeah kind of a sad existence but he's not aware of it so it's fine um yeah 
next on the list is uh, Kane Burnt. Who is played by me. Uh, Kane is a fire genasi paladin sorcerer who is kind of like a cowboy. <laughs> um, but he grew up living with genasi and the genasi that he lived with kicked him out of his homeland and him and his family had to live in the slums of um, Grand Hill. Union Grand Union and being such a poor family you had to do what you could to survive he ended up becoming a hitman slash assassin for anyone who would hire him and getting really good at it uh, until one of his missions hits whatever went terribly wrong he ended up killing the wrong person um, which was the daughter of some politician this politician being a master of magical arts flung Kane through a third story window Kane fell down survived and turned that turned his back on that life and became a soldier during the thunder war which we'll talk about later um do you want to do you want to talk about how Kane got kicked out of the out of the Great Union military um so Kane being the assassin he was was very skilled at murder and being so rose through the ranks very quickly becoming a general and uh, captaining his own platoon but this title came with strings attached and one of Kane's higher ups in the Grand Union military forced him to return to his life of hitmen re killing a lot of people and one time Kane was just like fed up with it and said no doing so got him dishonorably discharged from the military and he went back to the Grand Union or actually no he went to um, he went to Streely to Streely and met an old man who taught him the ways of magic that he was naturally gifted with, but couldn't harness it. And that's Kane's story, up until he met the party. Alright. Uh, then we have Jeannie Itatrain, who is played by Ruby. Uh, Jeannie is a green halfling. Uh, there is no goblin DNA or anything. She's just kind of green, for some reason. Um... Jeannie is a an assassin. Well, not an assassin. She's she's a, a master thief and cat burglar, uh, who firm, formerly worked with Eleron back in his thievery days. Uh, both of which being associates of Peneth Wimble. Uh, Peneth is a crime boss located in the city of Amberster. Uh, I don't know if we brought up Peneth before, but yeah. Um. All right, and after that, we have Magic Daniel, who is also played by Duke. 
Magic Daniel is a chronomancer, which means he is a wizard of time. Uh, and being as such, he has gone through thousands of years, different timelines, different universes. Uh, he's He's been around a while. Uh, he has a pet chronopus who is named Shlorpy. Uh, and chronopus chronopi? Chronopi are physical manifestations of time. Uh, and they just so happen to resemble octopi. So, yeah. Uh, next up we have Fargrim, which I will also let Eric cover as Eric played Fargrim when he was traveling with the party. So, Fargrim is before podcast time, pretty sure. Uh, he... Oh yeah, he is because the same episode that we were just or the same session we were just talking about it was the same session he left. Um. Anyways, Fargrim is a half dwarf barbarian who caught Elrond Tara trying to thieve something from a local town of Amberster or local area of Amberster. That's anyways. Mm-hmm. He grew up in the country of Skor. And you know what? I'll just talk about the destruction of Skor right now because that's kind of his backstory. Okay. During his years of Skor, there was an assault on the country led by the terrorist goblins, which ended in his little mining town being burnt to the crisp his father and everyone he loved dying and um all because of a stupid stupid little a little box all because of a stupid little box uh and while we're on that topic that box is the uh pandora's box which is uh the pillar of evocation i believe yeah it's it's the pillar of evocation which basically means explody magic uh yeah magic um Um, and after the destruction of score fargrim found a friend in carrie patel the barkeep of yeah wow my brain is broken do you wanna do you wanna discuss boy and jess oh yes so after a while of depression and alcoholism fargrim moved on and became a master blacksmith and that was a critical role in the thunder war which we'll talk about next um, and he has a little hut next to the uh, next to the first entrance to the Feywild. All right. And there he lives with his son Jess and his his big old boy boy. Well, lived in, in past tense. Lived, lived, because now he lives in the Feywild with his new wife. 
and his son and his boar and his coming child. I I really want to get into that later. Uh, anyway. Uh, so next up is the Thunder War. Uh... Let me let me pull up the timeline here actually while Okay. So uh the world of Petricor uses BTW and ATW for their for their uh year measurement system just like we use AD and BC. Uh so BTW is before the Thunder War and ATW is after the Thunder War. So uh yeah. So, Perfect. yeah, in six in the year six hundred sixty six BTW, uh, Beelzebub discovers the Black Flame, and that is kind of where the underworld plane begins. Uh, in the year one thirty BTW, uh, Tandy is born, who is the current ruler of the underplane, and in one fifteen BTW, uh, Corey is born who is Tandy's sister, which, more on her. Uh, she lives in the Feywild uh, as kind of like an excursion thing, and she is one of their main combat instructors. She's a very skilled archer uh, and highly skilled bladesman. Uh, next up after that is the year 64 BTW, which is when Fargrim is born. And in the year 39 BTW, Score is destroyed, so Fargum would have been, at that time, 24? 25? Something like that. Somewhere around that. He's mid-20s. In the year 20... Oh, nope. Not... <laughs> That's not relevant to the story. In the year 17 BTW, uh, Eleron is born. In the year 7 BTW, Makani is born. In the year 3 BTW, Rovan is forged. And the main year of the Thunder War is referred to as Year Zero. So Year Zero is the Thunder War. And then Jess is born in 4 ATW. And Jess is Fargum's son. I think we said that. We did. And yeah, the current present year is 17 ATW. So, the Thunder War happened 17 years ago. Alright, that was a lot of information. Sorry, that was very boring. Uh, now to discuss the Thunder War itself. So, basically, Candela uh, had a real bad ruler who was like, Hey, Warforged are the perfect being, organic life is meaningless. So... They decided they, they were going to take over Streely, which is the elven country. And Streely was like, oh, well, we're actually losing. So they then contacted Morbs and Grand Union for help. Uh, Grand Union, Morbs, and Streely all had to ally together to fight back against Candela. And eventually they did lose... Uh, in that war, Kane was a general, so Kane has a lot of knowledge on war and tactics and fighting in general. Uh, also in that war, 
was a few other characters that may make an appearance later. I'm not too sure. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about Fargrim's role in that war, if you if you would. Um, so Fargrim, being the master blacksmith that he is, was tasked to forge the entirety of weaponry for the uh, the Grand Union's army, which is a big task. But he did it successfully within, I think it was like a month. Oh, it as was, long as yeah, he, it was like two months. He was given the resources and paid and the time. And it was like a month or two. And he, I believe, I believe Fargrim uh, requested only raw material as payment. Just free, yeah. free, free metal for life. That's what it was, yes. All right. Uh, so yeah, the Thunder War is a huge event in the lore of the story that the world is still seeing impacts of today. Um, Candela is largely regarded as hostile and bad, <laughs> like post-World War II Germany, essentially. Um, yeah. But there is a new ruler of Candela that is trying to make amends with the world. Uh, and I hope to get more into that character later as well. Um, but anyway, uh, do you want to talk about more about the destruction of score? I know we went over that already. Um, so what's Julian? Julian was there, right? Julian was there. Uh, Julian, we haven't we haven't time, really I, we haven't really was, talked about Julian, have we? I think he was using the ring of transmutation to become a dragon. No, that was that was one of his other uh, his underlings. I see. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> we haven't really talked about Julian. So let's let's talk it's about not... Julian. Let's talk about Julian now. Uh Julian is a goblin pirate king. Uh who the party for a very long time believed to be a bad guy. Uh, but as it turns out, uh, almost on his deathbed, he was kind of just like boasting about other people's accomplishments as his own. And as a result of that, got himself into some pretty hot water and had to fake being a tough pirate king. But in reality, he could barely fight uh, he lost to Salazar in hand-to-hand -hand combat, which is pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, to Fargrim, but that was kind of a... That's more thing. understandable, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, at the destruction of Score, one of... One of Julian's... I hate to use this word. Co-workers... Uh, saw that Julian had the Ring of Transmutation, stole it, turned into a dragon, and got pissed at Fargrim's dad for not accepting a deal that they had wanted to make, and so he turned into a red dragon and burned all of Score to the ground, killing 99% of the entire dwarven race. So, a little overreaction, I would say. Um, Julian was understandably distraught. Uh, 
he found Fargrim's father's uh, dying body in in the in the ashes. However, he did not find Fargrim's. So, he whisked Fargrim's father away to uh, to Bombados. Sorry, I forgot the name. Uh, and there, they were they developed a stronger friendship than they had already, and they were just kind of buds until Fargrim's dad died. Um, Fargrim never saw his father past the destruction of Score, and assumed him to be dead, and because of that, had a vendetta against Julian not knowing the full story. Um, and shortly before the podcast, or maybe even in the first episode... No, 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 no. It was sooner. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shortly before the podcast, Julian uh, kidnapped Jess and got attacked by Kilo, I believe. Um, uh, I forget. I'm I think forgetting. So. I think so. I forget the story. Why was Julian? Why did Julian kidnap so- Jess? He wanted leverage. Know. He wanted leverage. All all I know is that he kidnapped Jess. We find him we found him at the cave. Mm-hmm. And uh Fargrim was not happy about that and went on kind of a murder spree. It was not a cave, it was a crashed blimp. Um well, no well, They were at the cave. They were at the cave um at one point and Julian showed up. Oh, true. Yeah, that that's earlier in the story. Mm. There's there's so much stuff that is that it's happened. I really wish that we had started the podcast sooner. Same. Um, so, uh, eventually, Fargrim finds a Jess and Kennedy, who uh, Julian also kidnapped. Um, and from there, they. They saw that Julian had somehow regained the Ring of Transmutation, and it's still not clear how he got that back, but he did. Um, and they, Julian, like, kind of put up a tough axe, like he was gonna use it on them, but didn't, and then lost to Salazar in a fight. Uh, Salazar took the ring. Uh, and now Rovan has the ring because Salazar is irresponsible. Um, and also Rovan knows the most about magic, second to Daniel, who was not in the story at this point. Um, anyway, Julian then was sent to Eden to be a prisoner, where Fargrim had a conversation with him and the huge twist was revealed that Julian was not actually a bad guy, and that he was just kind of a dumbass. Um, yeah. And two sessions ago, at the time of recording, uh, is when Julian had died. So, rest in peace to Julian. That was kind of sad. Um, yeah. 
Um, at and that's kind of it for Julian. We've been talking about um, Julian hello? for a, a while now. Hello? Yes. Okay. I was trying to correct a mistake, and then my uh, game Xbox no Discord. Uh, anyways, the way we caught Julian wasn't from Salazar. It was Julian ran into the Feywild after kidnapping Jess, and Fargum tracked him down and chopped off his hand after he tried to transmute into something. Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. He, he transmuted into an owl bear, I believe, and then you cut his hand off. Uh, after that, uh, Julian died. We had the funeral, like, two sessions ago. Uh, and, yeah. So, we've been talking about Julian for a while now. Uh, he was a pretty big part of the early story of Petricorn. That is true. That is true. Uh, and after that point, Fargrim retired to the Feywild with Elena, who is... We haven't even talked about Elena. Oh my god. Elena is the ruler of Eden. Uh, she's not, like, a dictator or anything. They just kind of, like, chose her to be the leader. It's not really, like, a formal title. She just kind of oversees it. Um, but Fargrim retired to the Feywild with Elena, uh, and now they're pregnant with Fargrim's second child. Um, not much more to it than that, really. Um, there's also a big elephant man named Jumna. He's pretty cool. Love that guy. Love that guy. Um... What are some other story beats that you want to talk about? Okay, okay, let's talk about Petricor Zero for for a second. Petricor Zero? <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Three years ago, the very first ever session of Petricor, uh, which we call Petricor Zero, is it was set to it was set very heavily in the pirate theme. Uh, they were all crew members on a ship captained by Fargrim called the uh, the Golden Bunny, I believe. Yeah. And Fargrim was being a little shit. So me, being the dungeon master, <laughs> decided to strike him with lightning. Do you want to fill in the details, Eric? Fargrim, being the little shit that he was, was not putting up with God's wrath. So, it, it was his, some kind of check that his I biggest, rolled. His biggest but Kratos the, moment. The best thing that I probably ever did as a player in D&D was rolling a nat 20 on whatever check I was rolling to, to block the lightning. And in doing so, I physically grabbed the lightning out of the air and broke it over my knee just to show God what's up. And after that event, that lightning being broken, for some reason, sent the world back in time to the current timeline of Petricor, which is where everything has happened. So Petricor, Petricor is zero. It's not really canon, but it's just a funny little backstory to the world. Um, 
Ogram is too strong to be left alive. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I guess it's technically an alternate timeline because Fargrim is not a pirate captain in this world. And, and also, Makani wasn't there. Neither was Daniel. Or Salazar. Yeah. Or Genie. No. Magic Daniel, the magic plant you. Oh my god. I forgot all about that. <laughs> okay. We don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about that. No, I think we do now because we've brought it oh, up. Okay. okay. Before Makani ever existed, Duke played a character named Magic Daniel who got turned into a plant. So he was Magic Daniel the Magic Plant Heel. Uh, and he was the character before Makani. And he is now written back into the story, but he was not for a very long time. Uh, he was written in in the very first episode of the podcast, actually. Uh, yeah, let's just let's hope and pray that he doesn't get turned into a plant this time around. Um, I mean, it'd be kind of difficult. It would be kind of difficult. Also, in Petricor Zero, Rovan was an elf and not a tiefling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, Eleron was a dark elf and not a high elf. Not not too big of a change, but still. It's there. And also, Fargrim didn't have a son. And also, I think Fargrim wasn't a half-dwarf. I think Fargrim was a full dwarf. This is true. And also, he didn't have a pet giant boar named Boy. And also, he could break lightning over his knee. (laughs) We don't know that current Fargrim couldn't do that. But I don't want to find out, so... We don't want to test it. Uh, I'm God, I can do what I want. Okay, anyway. If he... Watch, he'll get another nat 20 if we try it again. No, we don't do this. Okay. Uh, what are some other story beats that happened that are huge and you want to talk um, about? The assault on Eden was like the first like big fight, I think. Right, right. Okay, the assault on Eden was a war between two factions who later, we find out, was the uh, the Abjuration Guild. So, the, the Guild of Abjuration had already possessed the blade, and for some reason, we're still not sure why, uh, they had beef with Eden. And Eden was not having that. So uh, Elena planned a attack on their base, and they won by a landslide. With Fargrim beating the leader of the the Abjuration Guild to death with his bare hands. He was kind of upset. Uh, he was kind of upset. He was kind of angry. Uh... Fargrim, to this day, has chunks of beak stuck in his fist from beating the leader to death. Uh, who was an Arakokra, for, for confirmation, he wasn't just, like, a human with a beak. Yeah. Um, but anyway... During that battle as well, uh, Eleron Tara was on the mm-hmm. brink of death, and the only thing that we knew at the time to save him was the Witherblade. Which is now a big part of Eleron. Yeah. Uh, Eleron 
was, I, I think, shot with an arrow and was bleeding out. Um, but as he was handed the blade, the bleeding stopped and Eleron died. But then he was brought back, uh, fused permanently with the Wither Blade. So Eleron is Iron Man situation. Eleron is technically a zombie, uh, and he's also a demigod that is fused with the Abjuration Pillar. Yeah. And even in Petrichor Zero, the the dagger existed. So. Um, yeah, there's there's not much more to say than that. Uh, is there any other story beats? I know that there was the the Glocktopus, but that's not really a big event. Um, there was there was some stuff that I missed out on, but I remember the flesh ship. Ah, uh, okay. My my one of my favorite events in the story. So, Makani is a pirate lord, and being as such, she has her own ship named the Kanaloa. And the Kanaloa is crewed by freed slaves that have pledged themselves to help Makani. And during one of her escapades that the party was there for, because I believe they were transporting to go find the mermaid, I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were trying to find the mermaid. I was can't help you with this one. <laughs> yeah, Eric missed out on this session, and I'm very sad because this is one of my favorite sessions to this day. Um, they, as they were sailing, uh, it was pretty boring, pretty pretty calm. So I made them roll an encounter sheet, and what they got was mimic ship. So. They saw a ship in the distance that looked strangely like the Kanaloa. And as they sailed closer, they noticed they noticed crew members that looked kind of like they did. And as they were sailing side by side, they noticed that any movement they would make, the other ship would make. And then they were fired upon, so they fired back. A huge uh, pirate ship battle ensued, and it was revealed that not only were the crewmates all uh, doppelgangers, the ship itself was a mimic. So they had to go inside the living body of the pirate ship, find its heart, uh, battle living cannonballs, uh, which I vividly remember Eleron like tap dancing around them because he was terrified. Uh, and then Roven used his Emberheart blade to stab the mimic ship and kill it. And then as it was sinking, they quickly leapt back over to the Kanaloa victorious. They had killed the mimic ship. It sounds kind of lame now that I'm talking about it now, but at the time, it, at the time, it was very fun. Um, um, oh, right, the mermaid. Okay, so there is a mermaid named Corelia, who is 
not really anybody special. She's kind of a citizen. Uh, she is a person that lives in the underwater city of Ariel, um, which is our version of Atlantis. And in Ariel, there was a powerful artifact known as the Skull of Ariel. And this skull belonged to a long-dead creature. And turns out uh, that this this mermaid really wanted this skull for some reason. We still don't know why. She just kind of, like, dedicated her life to protecting it. Uh, eventually, the mermaid met up with Makani's crew. Uh, and then after that, Makani's crew met up with the main party... And they all formed the party that we know today. And they eventually ended up at the headquarters of the Third Eye Guild. And accidentally discovered the body that belonged to the skull. And being the stupid idiots that they are, they put the skull on the body, reviving the skull lich uh who is the most powerful illusion user uh the lich is currently the most powerful character in the whole game um so they will have to deal with that at some point but uh they made a deal with the lich that they wouldn't come back ever and yeah I think that's most of the story so far. I could be missing some small things, but those are the big story beats. Yeah. Um, Was there anything that... Hmm. I think that's really the main points. Yeah. Uh, also, this isn't important at all, but... I wanted to mention it, because why not? Uh, we did a test, and Elrond could beat Rovan in a fight. So. Not not really anything important to the story, just a little experiment that I wanted to mention. Elrond was only using 10% of his power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, hey, they're both demigods, so it seemed like an even match, but it wasn't. Eleron won by a landslide. Uh, sorry, Dino, for for not telling you that we're recording this, but yeah. All right. Uh, I think I think we can wrap up here. Is there any final notes you want to say? Uh, do we want to just go over what's happened so far in the podcast? Uh, I'll let you do that, Mister Mister Big Man. Mister Big Man, that's me. So. What has happened so far in the podcast? Episode 1, um, I think Kane was introduced in episode 1? Um, I think, no, Kane was already no? there. At that was, time. Okay, Kane so was Kane was there. introduced like right before episode 1. But episode 1 had to deal with them going back to the cave in the mining town that Fargrim used to live in before it was burned down to try and look to see if they could find Pandora's box. 
and they ended up finding the colony of Durgar and finding as well Magic Daniel's Tower, which had Magic Daniel's magic hat. And once you put on Magic Daniel's magic hat, you become Magic Daniel. So that was basically all the first episode. Um, the second it's... episode... What happened? Hold on, let me, let me look at the title of episode two. Yeah, I, I jog think... your memory. Okay, season one, episode one, Mind Madness, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, episode two is Wizard Troubles. Uh, so... Oh! Season okay. one, episode one, is where they had just broken into the dungeon. Episode two is where they had uh, found the secret door in the dungeon leading to Magic Daniel's tower. Um, and Magic Daniel, as it turns out, is fused his mortal soul somehow into a hat. And whoever wears this hat becomes Daniel. Uh, it's not really established what happens to the wearer while Daniel is in control, but it's kind of implied that they just blank and forget everything. Um, it is said to be described as a asleep, but you don't feel rejuvenated afterwards. Yeah, because I f that would be kind of mechanically overpowered just having a short rest whenever by putting the hat on infinite xp glitch um uh yeah episode three hold on uh i think this was when we went back to the grand union and went to the chronomancer club mm-hmm mm-hmm and at the end of episode three is when you actually got to Castor. Uh, episode four is the Chronosphere. And that the Chronosphere is kind of the police for time magic. Uh, hijinks ensue there. Uh, episode five? Episode five is us picking up the podcast after a long time, like uh, a whole month had passed. Yeah, it was like a month. Uh, episode okay, Ep I'm gonna call it episode five and a half because that's the lost episode. Uh. Episode five and a half is an episode of the podcast that got its file corrupted and we lost the whole session. So... Basically, what happened during that session is the party met the alternate reality Fargrim, who is named One-Eye, because he has One-Eye. Um, One-Eye is the one that built the gun that uh, Kaimil, who is Eleron's brother, used to kill Kaimil who is Eleron's brother. <laughs> um, um, they also... Uh, One-Eye told them a bunch of stories about their alternate selves. Uh, for example, Genie, in, in his reality, was a world-renowned chef. Um, yeah. 
season one, episode seven. That is like two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, that is when. Uh, uh, what happened there? Um, I think it was just a little bit of messing around. I think that I don't was think we got the, we don't we don't even get much wait, done that session. Was that that's the when. Episode? Yeah, that was the funeral, and also or, also Salazar getting being drunk. Uh, season yeah. one, episode eight, which is the episode that came out right before this one, Will. Uh, it's called the one with Spungy, because it's the one with Spungy. Um, not much more to it than that. Basically, just had a nice relaxing day to fix Salazar Salazar's uh, bean addiction. And in episode nine, we will get back on track finally uh i'm sorry and thank you to all of you that are listening there's probably like two of you but that's still that's yeah. still more than zero which is impressive still pretty cool in my opinion yeah uh i'm gonna go ahead and wrap up the episode here but uh thank you eric for being here to do this with me this lore session um, yeah. No problem.